want to invite you, Lifehouse, to go in your Bibles. We're going to maintain this posture of worship. If you would just stay standing as we read the Word, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. It's a kind of a harsh transition, but I don't know how else to do it. I hope you'll have grace for me in that. But understand, when we read His Word, it's as much worship as anything else we can do. Luke chapter 10. Continuing our series called The Greatest Hits. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse number 38. You guys ready for the word? Say amen. So are you ready for the word? Say amen. Toby, you ready for the word? Amen. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Can I, can I have the liberty of superimposing this today? Some were in Lifehouse and they worshiped and they sang and they lifted their hands and they celebrated the goodness of God while others stood around, looking around, listening to the songs, distracted by the week that they had just spent and the week to come. Am I making it too personal? Am I making it too real? Are you okay today? I know I'm probably a little, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be a pastor. Martha was distracted. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits on her lazy rear end while I do all the work around here? Tell her, to come and help me. That's not exactly what it says, but that's how it sounds in my head when I read it. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, some of your translations will say, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Verse 42, there is only one thing. Will you say with me, one thing. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We know that in it there is truth and there is life, and there is transformational power. Today I pray that you would speak, that we would listen, and that spiritually, God, we would grow and respond and receive the transforming work that you desire to accomplish in us and through us. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And Lifehouse said, amen. Amen. Hey, before you see to turn to a neighbor or two, give him a high five and tell him he means business today. You guys okay? Uh, for four of you, good. The rest of you, I'm sorry. All right, I'm just going to preach until you get happy, okay? So I'll keep going until I start making sure, until you start telling me you're happy, okay? Might be a long one today, huh? I'm just kidding. You ha you're happy? You're ready to go, huh, Max? 
Max, you got a brisket on the, on the smoker right now? You do? Okay, all right. Well, it's going to get dried out, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. You can have beef jerky tonight. I'm just joking. How many of you would say life is busy? Yeah, life is busy, right? Um, you know, you, you see someone, you, you talk to them. Maybe this morning someone walked into church, shook your hand, said, how you doing? And you responded, busy, busy. And if you're a man, when you say you're busy, you wear like a badge of honor. Like, look at me. I'm important. I'm very busy. I have a lot going on. I am in high demand, right? That's how we feel about it, men, don't we? Being busy means that we're important. Being busy means that we're valuable. Being busy means that we are a man. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I think most of the times when a lady says, I'm busy, like you ask her, how you doing? And she says, I'm busy. What she is, in fact, saying is, I, would, I, I wouldn't be as busy if, as I am if some people would do what they're supposed to do. But since nobody else is doing what they need to do, i got to do everything that they're doing, so I'm busy. Right? Am I wrong? Amanda's giving me a yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, she's saying yes. Holly, am I right? Am I right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to say anything, do you? You're scared. I think that we could all agree that there is always more to do. I think we could all agree that if we could add some hours to the day, if we could add some days to the week, if we could add some weeks to the month, and so on and so forth, that, you know, we, we might feel a little bit more accomplished. But the, the truth is, there's always more to do, isn't there? There's always more that needs to be done. There's always more places to go. There's always more jobs to do. There's always more chores to finish. There's always more projects to complete. There's always more kids to raise is what it feels like. More kids to run around from this place to that place. Can I get an amen from a wore-out minivan driving parent today? Okay, great. All three of you. There's more, there's more groceries to buy. There's more meals to prepare. There's more clothes to wash. There's more lawns to be mowed. There's more oils and fluids to be changed, right? Uh, flower beds to be mulched, pictures to post, emails to not respond to, text messages to eventually respond to, voicemails to delete because who leaves voicemails anymore? There's always more calls to return. There's always more appointments to keep. And if you're not careful... You will quickly find yourself exhausted, anxious, and feeling utterly and totally defeated. Am I preaching good yet or not? Maybe I wasn't earlier, but now am I hitting the, the nail on the head for you? And you would say to yourself, you know, Pastor Drew, if I just had more time, or if I just had some more help. And, and, the, and the truth is, if you did have more time, you would fill that time up. Like if we just made the executive decision that every day will now have 25 hours in it. Or if we just made the decision, if, if we just heard, you know, if there was a, a news report that broke across and, and all of our phones went off and we looked at it at the same time and the U.S. government just said that they have now added an eighth day to the week, we would, we would fill it up, right? We would, in, in no time, we would be just like we are right now, wore out, busy, and still feeling like there's not enough time in the day, there's not enough days in the week. If, if you had some help, you would exhaust that help. Your help would eventually need help, right? And, and you might would say, you know, I just need a vacation. Anybody in the room need a vacation? Amen. Anybody in the room just get back from vacation? There you go. Was it good? <coughs> Some of you, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Did you take your kids with you? No, that's not a vacation. That is a family trip, and that is the opposite of a vacation. That means you're on call 24-7 because you can't get away from those little things. Yeah, what? And you are visiting, Jesus, touch him, Jesus, give him refreshing. You need a vacation from that vacation. 
Anybody ever do that? You get back from vacation, you say, I need a vacation from that vacation, right? All those people I was with, they drove me crazy. They sucked the life out of me, right? You know what a real vacation is? A real vacation is when you send your kids to the grandparents or whoever for a week and you do your normal daily life. You go to work, you can work 70 hours that week, but you still feel like a brand new person because that's a vacation right there. All right, all right. Yeah, my daughter's in here, but she don't care. She's good. She ain't paying no attention to that. Yeah, look, there it is. Cousin, hey, Cousin Week is, it starts tomorrow for, for the Moorhead House, so we're excited. Right? We're going to party while you're gone. It's going to be so great. We're going to have so much fun without you. We're probably going to go to Dollywood without you. Nah, all right, just kidding. No, here's the deal. Go on your vacation. Take your day off, all the things, and, and go on your vacation. Miss a Sunday. Many are missing Sundays right now, and I'm okay with that. I, don't, I won't say that I enjoy it, but I'm okay with it because I understand the value in it. And then when you get back from your vacation, come back to church, right? And, and, but here's the thing. Vacations and days off and weekends are not the solution. Because if you're not careful, what you will wind up doing is always living your life looking for the next vacation or for the next day off or for the next big event or for the, the next long weekend. And in the process of doing that, you're going to miss out on all the life that happens in the in-between. You cannot live a, a fulfilled life always looking forward to the next reprieve from the life that you are living. Which, which leads me to this thought. And here's my... My number one, my main overarching sermon point for you today. The greatest enemy to the life you want may in fact be the life that you're living. The greatest enemy to the life you want might just be the life you're living. Because here's the thing. The temptation that we would all easily succumb to is to look at our life and point out the things that we, were wish, that we wish were different. And instead of owning it, we say, oh, it's because of this person. Oh, it's because of this event. Or it's, you know, if my boss wasn't this way, or if the company I worked for wasn't this way, or if my husband wasn't this way, or if my wife wasn't this way, then it would be better. But at the end of the day, the only person responsible for the life that you are living, if you are an adult, is you. And you have to own it. So the greatest enemy to the life you want might just be the life that you are living. In this story, we are introduced to Jesus' two friends, Mary and Martha. And we can assume that Lazarus is in the mix as well. Now, Lazarus is introduced to us in John chapter 11. And Jesus actually raises Lazarus from the dead. And I want to go back and just reread this portion really quickly. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, we, we read this story. You probably may have heard this. And it's very common for Martha to get painted in such a negative light. Is it not? Oh, Martha. Martha is just this mean old person. But I want, I want to point out this phrase here. Martha welcomed Jesus and talking to 12 other men. Can you imagine? And I doubt her house was that big. Let's just be real about it. I doubt her house was, you know, 4,000 square feet with five bathrooms and six bedrooms. I, I mean, it, we don't know how big it was, but 
understandably, it was probably pretty small. And so she welcomes Jesus and his disciples into her home. Verse 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Now, all right, you guys okay this morning? We good? We good? All right. So here is my assumption. This, this is what I think. I don't think Mary lives with Martha. I think Mary, her sister, is aware that Jesus was coming by and that Martha was going to invite them all over. And so Mary and Martha had a prior conversation. And Mary said, hey, let's invite them all over. I'll come over. I'll help you get everything ready, right? I'll help you get all the food ready, and, and then we'll have a good old time. And so what happens is Jesus and everybody comes, and as soon as he gets there, Mary bails out on her prior commitments. All right, am I preaching right now? Anybody ever lived anything like that? I feel like that's almost a little too close to home to preach today. And so Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Now, I, I want to point out something here as well. The world would tell us that Mary was distracted. The world would tell us that Mary got distracted when Jesus showed up from fulfilling her obligation. But the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us, that it was Martha who was distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing, she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits on her lazy rear end? While I do all the work, if you don't read the Bible that way, you need to have more fun with it while you read it. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? You tell her. Can you imagine Martha's up in Jesus' face saying, listen, you need to do something about this. I've had enough. I'm in there slaving away. I don't know. I don't know. This never happens in my house, but it may happen in your house. When, when the kitchen is being occupied by someone who is displeased... And all of a sudden, all of the dishes seem to start making a much louder sound than normal. And, and, you, and you ask, hey, is everything okay in there? And, and the response you get is, yeah, everything's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I totally signed up to do this job by myself. I'm fine. You invited them over here today, and I'm the one stuck in the kitchen, but I'm fine. I mean, that never happens in the Moorhead home. As you hear, you know, the, the pots and pans clanging around and glasses nearly being broken. I'm just going to not I'll just pretend that Rob and Amanda take up the front row there. Anyway, anyway, you guys okay? Amen. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that was cold. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord says to her, my dear Mar Martha, you're worried and upset over all the details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to submit to you this idea that the solution to busy is not more time. It is not even more help. The solution to busy is more of what matters most. The solution to busy is not another hour in the day or another day in the week. The solution to busy is not a sister wife or a, a brother husband. I don't know. It is, it, is, it is more of what matters most. More of what matters most. And so, again, the greatest enemy to the life you want might just be the life you are living. And so... Real quick, I want to just share with you three lessons that I think we can learn 
from this, just, just a few verses kind of tucked away here in Luke chapter 10. Number one, some encouragement for you today to live the life you actually want. Be present in the moment. Be present in the moment. Let me say it like this. Be with the people that you are with. Be where you are with the people that you are with. Be present in the moment. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You see, every day we are given moments, we are given opportunities uh, to be with our spouse, to be with our kids, to be with our friends, to be with our family, our co-workers, uh, to invest in our church, to, to, to spend time with the Lord, to do ministry, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in the midst of all that, it is so easy to get distracted by the details that we miss out on what really matters. So in the world, not the U.S., in the world, the average screen time for an adult ages 16 to 64 is 6 hours and 58 minutes per day. 6 hours and 58 minutes per day is spent by the average human being on planet Earth ages 16 to 64 either looking at a phone, looking at a tablet, looking at a TV, looking at a computer, looking at a video game. In other words, 30% of the average adult's life on, during one day is spent looking at a screen, 6 hours and 58 minutes, which is more than most people even sleep. So, it, so, so many of us are distracted by what's in our hand, what we are looking at, instead of being focused on the people that we are with where we are. And then if we're not distracted by what's in our hand, it's so easy to get distracted by What's at hand, right? Work, bills, schedules, kids' activities, chores, projects. And then there are the things that are completely and totally outside of our control that so easily consume our thoughts and consume our minds and consume our energy. You know, politics, the economy, the government, what's going on in Russia? What's going on in Ukraine? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? What, what's going on with my favorite sports team? And, and we allow things like that to, to rob us from joy to rob us from the moments that matter most because we're worried about things that we can't change and and in some cases things that have no impact on our lives like however the University of Tennessee does it doesn't matter however however you know my team is Ole Miss however Ole Miss does you know if I fell off the face of the planet there was not a single person on the University of Mississippi's campus that would even know about it and chances are the same is true for you and your favorite team Yet it's so easy for us to ruin a day or even ruin a week based off whether they won or lost when they could not even care less if you even existed. Okay? I'm not saying we can't enjoy things. I'm not saying that we can't be interested in things. But at some point, we've got to draw the line and say, these things will not control me. These things will not distract me. These things will not rob me from the moments that matter most in my life. Whether they win or lose, whether they win the election or lose the election, right? Whether, whether this happens over there or it doesn't happen though over there. Whether UT wins this game or doesn't win this game. I'm going to go to sleep tonight, right? I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy a day with my family. I'm going to make a big deal out of them. I'm going to invest in the relationships that matter. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, and even more so at the end of your life, that is what is truly important. Martha was so distracted. 
by what was at hand that she missed who was right in front of her. And I said this earlier, and, you know, I hope I didn't come across too strong, but I do believe that it's so easy in our churches today to treat casually that which should be regarded as holy. And so if I come across strong, I'm, I'm not sorry. I mean it. And maybe you think I'm extreme, but you know what? I would rather be found extreme for God than be extreme against the Lord. Okay. So, so Mary, or excuse me, Martha is distracted, and, and many of us are distracted, and we've lost sight of our Heavenly Father. We've lost sight of our family, some of you in this room. You've lost sight of friendships. I remember in 2020, during the summer, my family and I took a vacation to the Gulf of Mexico, having a beach vacation, and we were actually going uh, during spring break, but literally on the way to where we were going is when everything shut down. So we just basically came back home, and that vacation was canceled. And, and, um, and so we went again in the summer down there. And while I was there, we were there for about a week, and every so often pictures will pop up my phone. And we'll be together and smiling and everything. But when I look at those pictures, it's honestly very bittersweet because I remember my mental state during that time. I was so worried, and, and to some degree, understandably so, about the state of our world, the state of our country, the state of our church. That during that week away, all I wanted to do was get through that week so I could come back here and get to work. And I look back at those photos, and you could just kind of see a blank stare on my face because I had been glued to my phone all day watching news updates and seeing what the president said about this and seeing what was going on with there and wondering if the church was going to recover and all the things. And I was absent from those moments. And because of my worry and because of the things that I couldn't control and because of the things at hand, it's like I went to sleep for an entire week that should be a beautiful memory in my life, but instead is just a blank stare. But many of us are living life that way. We are living Monday through Friday looking forward to a Saturday. We are living month to month looking forward to the next holiday or to the next vacation or to the next reprieve. And we are living a life where we are just trying to get through the moment so we can get to the one day win when everything's going to get better. And if I could just tell you this, it's not going to get better until you get better. It's not going to change until you change. The only person responsible for the life that you are living is you. You are the person who has created this life. You are the person who has chosen this life. And you are the person who is continuing in this life. And the only way it will change is if you change. Martha. Martha, Martha. Verse 41. You are worried and upset over all these details. All these details. Some of you taking notes right now, you need to actually write down what are the details. What are the things that you were giving too much time, too much thought, too much energy to in your life that you need to say, you know what, this is a detail. It, it doesn't need to be a bad thing. Understand that the details are not in of themselves negative. You know, something can be okay, but it's not good. Something can be better, but it's not best. Something can be good, but it's not God, Right? Most of the time, 
The details that need to change aren't horrible things in our life that need to be different, but little things that to the outsider look good. That was Martha's situation. What she was doing looked good. What she was doing looked right. It just wasn't what was most good. It just wasn't what was most right. We got to be present in the moment. The moments that matter most. Number two, we got to prioritize what is most important. Jesus says this in verse 42. He says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. You see, priority is about order. It's about building your life, your day, on things and people that matter most. And, and here's the thing. It takes planning it takes pre-deciding, and I know this is basically a cuss word in our world today. It takes work. It takes work on the front end to plan things out, to pre-decide how your days will look, and then to stick to it. But the benefits that you reap on the, on the backside of it are enormous. And so, like, you know, when life gets out of order, usually it's because non-essentials begin to consume your day and your energy and ultimately your lives. And so if I can just encourage you, go ahead and set up some, some standards, some, some essentials that you will build your life around simple things, easy things. Are you guys okay this morning? Easy things. Like, for instance, you're here today, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but remembering and honoring the first day of the week and saying, Lord, because this is the first day, I'm going to gather with your people in your presence, and I'm going to worship you. And just go ahead and make up your mind. Listen, it doesn't matter what appointment. It doesn't matter what activity. It doesn't matter what event. I have I, My life is founded on principles that I'm going to stick to. And the first day of the week, Sunday, is devoted to worshiping the Lord. Not to worshiping the golf course. Okay, I'm okay. Not to worshiping the lake. Not to worshiping the boat. Not to worshiping the country club. Not to worshiping... Okay, you guys are going to help me out or you're just going to make me feel bad about saying it. It's so easy to compromise our principles when something appealing pops up. And then we make excuses and we justify it in our minds, right? Am I, am I wrong or am I right here? We make sense out of it. And before you know it, you have compromised who you are in the smallest of ways, and it doesn't seem like a big deal. But the problem is those compromises compound over time. And so the first day of the week, that belongs to the Lord. Unless I'm at the beach or, you know, somewhere else, I'm going to be at Lifehouse. Now, you know, take your vacation. Go on your vacation. When you get back, come on back to church, right? I'm going to take one in July. I won't be here, but you still need to be here if you're in town, okay? Don't, don't fall victim to the old adage that says when the pastor's away, the people play, okay? You need to show up and be ready to worship. Amen? Amen. So the first day of the week belongs to the Lord. For me, and maybe this would be something good for you to adopt as well, the first part of my day belongs to the Lord. That means first thing in the morning, that time is reserved to be in his presence and to be in his word. That is the foundational part of every single day of my life that I am going to spend in his presence and spend in his word. And you might say, well, Pastor Drew, you're a morning person. Can I just rebuke that? Because that's not true. I'm not a morning person. 
I don't like getting up in the morning. I don't, I don't like being awake before everybody else is awake. I don't like waking up and it's still being two hours before the sun comes up. Can I just be real with you? I also don't always love going to bed at 8.30 at night. Yes, I go to bed at 8.30 at night most nights. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's true. And so I, I build my day around that. There are things that there, if you want to go hang out and watch a 9 o'clock movie, I'm sorry, I can't go because I have an appointment first thing in the morning with the Lord God Almighty, and I am going to do my very best to not be sleepy and dragging my rear end into that meeting with him. Right? I'm going to try. I know this is too practical, right? This is too real life, right? No, I'm going to give him my best. That doesn't mean that every single morning I... I am giving him the best, but I'm giving him the best I have to offer. I'm doing my best to have planned appropriately, have, to have worked appropriately, have predecided appropriately so that I can go to the Lord's presence every morning. I mean, we can talk about the tithe even, right? The first 10% of my income, it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to the Lord. Because first of all, everything I have, God's given me. So when I give my first 10%, when I give my first fruits, I'm not paying a tithe. I'm not even giving a tithe. I'm returning a tithe. I'm returning the 10% he's given me. So in my calendar, in my day, in my finances, everything is built on putting God first, right? My, my, I put God first day of my week. I put God the first part of my day. I put God in the first, in the first thing that I spend or give money towards. God comes first. And then everything else is built upon that foundation of God first. And so I prioritize my life to the best of my ability. Listen, I'm not perfect. So can I just tell you right now, like, can I just make a confession? Some days I sleep in. And you can ask my wife, that day is already ruined, isn't it? It's awful. Like, I will lie to myself the night before and tell her, I'm going to turn my alarm clock off. And she just says, do it. Do it. That's what she says. Because she knows I'll wake her up too when I get up. And she's like, turn it off, turn it off. And then I'll sleep in, and the next day is just shot before it even starts because I didn't start it right. So my life is built upon putting God first. I don't always get it right, but I work hard to do my best. And, and you won't always get it right either. And when you don't get it right, you know what you do. You go to him and you ask for forgiveness and you make up your mind, Lord, come, come next time, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do better, not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit. I'm going to get it right. And then, you know, from there, on that foundation, there are family days, there are rest days, there's fun days, there's work days. And, and most of us, here's the hard truth that a lot of us don't want to hear today. You're not too busy. You're just out of order. You're not, nope, you're not any busier than anybody else. I mean, unless you don't have kids, then you're actually not that busy. You just think you are. <laughs> when people who don't have children talk about how busy and tired they are, I'm like, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're not busy and tired. I don't know. Uh, you're not too busy, you're just out of order. And if we're not careful, what happens is, instead of living our life, our life lives us. And priority, most of the time, is not found in what you say yes to. It's found in what you say no to. 
do you want to do this? Do you want to sign up for this? Do you want to spend money on this? And the answer is no, because I have already predecided for me in my life that, number one, the first day of the week belongs to the Lord. The first part of the day belongs to the Lord. The first 10% of my income goes to the Lord. That means I can't spend that day doing something else. I can't spend that time doing something else, and I can't spend that money on something else because it belongs to the Lord. I know this seems simple, but if you would apply it to your life, it will change your life. Am I right, Brad? It will change your life. Every time you say yes to one thing, you are in essence saying no to something else. And I want to say it again. By the world standard, Martha was doing the right thing. She was preparing the meal. She was taking care of the guests. She was cleaning up the mess. But by the kingdom standards, Mary was doing the better thing. She was putting Jesus first. Jesus first. Again, I want to tell you guys, the greatest enemy to the life you want might just be the life you are living. What have you said yes to that you should have said no to? What have you had to say no to? You wanted to say yes to it, but you had to say no because before you had said yes to something you shouldn't have said yes to. Does that make sense? Like maybe maybe you bought something and you want to be generous. You want to give to missions. You want to be able to give, but because you have committed yourself to a seven-year payment, you can't do it. Learn from that. Change it in the future. You, you may not can change the past, but you can change who you are right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. You guys okay? We're going to be present. We're going to prioritize what's most important. And then number three. We're going to sense God's presence and recognize his voice. The meal that Martha was preparing, you know, probably baking some bread in the house, right? Because that's, that's such a standard uh, meal or such a standard dish for this day and age. She's baking some bread. The meal that she was preparing was nothing compared to the meal that Jesus brought because he is the bread of life. He says in Matthew, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can I just tell you, and I know this from experience, I've seen it in other people's life, I've seen it in my own life. When you put God first, when you put his word first in your life, it, it doesn't necessarily magically make your life easier, but it always makes it better. It always leads to greater fulfillment. It always leads to greater purpose. It always leads to greater security. It always leads to greater joy. It always leads to greater peace. And the enemy's goal is to convince you that something else can do the job that only God can do. The enemy's goal is to convince you that there is something else out there. There is a person out there. There is an event out there. There is a, another way that you can spend your time. There is another way that you can spend your money. There is another way that you can spend your energy that will give you what you don't feel like God has given you. I mean, in fact, that is the oldest sin in the book. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. That God can do for you, or, or rather this can do for you what God is not doing for you. But when you put him first, you will find out that he is your source of fulfillment. He is your source of security, joy, peace, purpose. Mary sat in Jesus' presence, and she's hanging on every word he's talking. Can I tell you that the more time you spend in his presence, the more time you'll want to spend in his presence? Can I tell you that the more time you spend in his word, the more time you will want to spend in his word? If today you're struggling with reading the Bible, 
And I get it. Like, it's hard to sometimes get into that. If you will just do it, if we'll just make up your mind, I'm just going to, for the next 30 days, I'm going to read the Bible every single day. I promise you, at the end of that 30 days, it will go from being a chore to being a pleasure. It will go from being something that you feel like you have to do to, to becoming something that you feel like you get to do. And the same with prayer. The more time you spend in his presence, the more time you want to spend in his presence, and the easier it becomes to recognize his voice. Jesus tells this in John 10. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Maybe today, I'm kind of winding this down here for us. Maybe today you are struggling because you just simply feel far from the Lord. You feel far from the Lord. You've been stuck wishing for days gone by, right? I know the older you get, the better it was, right? The better you were and the better it was, right? And you wish for way back when, when the kids were younger, when, when this was happening. Or, or maybe you're at a place in life where you're anxious over the future. You're worried about what is to come. And the reason why is because your priorities are out of order. And it's very possible that if you're in that place, it's because you haven't truly felt or enjoyed the presence of God in a long time. Can I just tell you, the presence of God is meant to be enjoyed. To, to, to be relished, to be looked forward to. His presence is meant to be enjoyed. And maybe today you would pray what David prayed in Psalm 27 for. I love this. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I love this prayer. So much, and maybe today you need to pray it, and maybe you don't feel like praying it, but maybe today you can pray it in faith, right? Maybe, maybe today you need to start off by praying, by saying, Lord, I don't feel this, but I want to feel this. That one thing I ask from the Lord, uh, Lord, I'm not, I'm not seeking your blessing. Lord, I'm not seeking your healing. God, I'm not seeking you to fix something. I'm not looking after you to provide for something. I'm not even looking for you to help in another area. Lord, the one thing I seek is you. God, I don't want the healing. I just want the healer. Today, I'm not even asking for the blessing. God, I'm asking for the blesser. I'm not asking for the fix. I'm asking for the fixer. God, I want your face. I don't want just your hand. I want your face. This one thing I seek, not what you can do for me, but you. And you alone, God, do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You see, the house of the Lord, David is referring to the tabernacle or to the temple. And this where is where in Old Testament times the manifest presence of God dwelt. But we are taught in the New Testament that because of what Jesus has done and because of Acts 2, when the, when the Holy Spirit was released upon the saints on the day of Pentecost, that no longer is the presence of God held in by something made by man, but rather the presence of God is given to the people of God to not, to not just live in a building, but to live in us. And so David is saying, God, I want your presence. I want your face. I want to know know you as I am known by you this one thing do I seek everything else that I'm worried about that is details details God one thing I want you know Jesus echoes this 
right? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things. You know what all these things sounds like to me? Sounds like details. All these things Jesus promises will be added unto you. See, the problem isn't the problem. The problem in your life isn't the problem. The problem in your life isn't that you're too busy or that you're too tired or that you need more help. The problem is what are you seeking first? What are you seeking most? Do you want his hand or do you want his face? Do you want his blessing or do you want his presence? Do you want his help or do you want his spirit? You see, the beautiful thing about our Father is when you get him, you get all the stuff he brings. But if you seek after the stuff he brings, you don't get him. Because he will not be reduced to what he can do for you. He's bigger than that. He's better than that. He's greater than that. That's why it's so important that when we come into this place together to worship Him, we come in spirit and in truth to worship Him. We don't come in here distracted by the details. We don't come in here, you know, ready to get something from a preacher or to get something from a song. But rather, we come in here ready to give Him ourselves in exchange for Him. It's the greatest trade that there's ever been made. That's the greatest deal I can think of. That God, I bring to you myself, my junk, my baggage, my pain, my problems. And in exchange for you, in exchange for that, I get you. Sign me up. That's why I say, let's stand and let's worship. Let's sing. Let's clap. Well, Pastor Drew, that's not what I'm used to. It's what you're used to doesn't look that great. It doesn't sound that good. And if it's got you to this point and you're not happy about it, why are you still doing what you're used to? Sounds like some details to me. Not all details are bad, but some are. Some need to go. Will you stand with me today? Perhaps the greatest enemy to the life you want might be the life you were living. Today, if you feel far from the Lord, he makes a promise in his word. He says, look. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together with you as friends. You know, one day, you may have already done this to an extent. Maybe you've even done it during this message. You're going to look back on your life and you're not going to wish you had a bigger house. You're not going to wish you had a cleaner house. You're not going to wish you had made better food or eaten better food. You're not going to wish you had worked more hours or made more money or played one more round of golf or whatever else your hobby is. Or You're not going to wish you completed another project or watched more Netflix or slept more hours. I want you to be clear again. I'm not saying these things are bad, but they become bad when we make them the thing and not just a thing. No, you're going to wish that you would have spent more time with the people you love doing things that matter, loving your neighbor as yourself and serving others. You're going to wish you would have spent more time in his presence. You're going to wish that you would have been more present in the moments that matters most. You're going to wish that you had prioritized what was most important, that you had spent more time doing what God has called you to do. And you're going to wish you realized what you had while you had it. 
Why wait till one day when to make that decision? Make it today that, God, I want to live in the moment. I want to live now. I want to live the abundant life that you promised, God. I want to put my life in order. And you as the foundation that everything else is built on. And God, I want to be sensitive to your presence. And I want to hear your voice. And I want to be led by your spirit. And I want to live for your purposes, God. I want to be so much more than a person who seeks to get through the day and become a man or woman of God who seeks to live the day.